Welcome to today's episode of the Big Hill Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. Today we have a great episode for you. Yesterday you guys heard the play-by-play idea of the 12th championship game. Today we are going to be breaking down every aspect of that game and the entire tournament and what Baker winning 12s, 14s, and 16s basketball tournaments means for the camp as a whole. So much to get to on today's episode of the Baker Sports Report. Alright, and today I am very pleased to be joined by a new guest on the show, Leo Hoffman. Leo, how you doing? I'm great. I just want to thank you, Maddie, for allowing me to be on this podcast. Of course, it's been great for camp, and I'm really excited. Thanks. All right, so let's get into it. So obviously, Baker wins 12s basketball yesterday. It was a great win for the camp. They beat Brant Lake in the finals. Um, it was a tight game throughout. Baker pulled it away at the end. Great game by Tyler Burke, especially there at the end. Those that, that clutch shooting at the end, the free throws really sealed the game away for Baker. So, what is your initial reaction to this game? Well, first, I mean, Baco's not just their starting five, but the players that came off the bench. It's I think a we very had two, deep team, yeah. two players come off the bench in the finals, and they played their role. They played hard. Every single person on the court played hard. Yeah, guys like Grant Signal, Hudson Samuels, who may not be the best players on the team, definitely played their roles as bigs and they can also I feel like it's a very versatile team. It is, really yeah. everyone on the team they have some they have height then I mean over guys Jordan like, Nadell yeah he, he's the biggest kid on the floor but he can also put the ball on the floor. Yeah like, and I think we saw that a lot yesterday in terms of like a lot of times especially in the second half Brandt like had a full court press on. Yeah and and Noodle, Noodle would just come down and Noodle would be the one getting the the inbounds pass every time, and he'd be dribbling down the court and going in for a layup. And for a guy who's easily the biggest guy in the court, you usually don't think of him as someone who can handle the ball like that. But that was really invaluable. To the team. Yeah, I also think that underratedly, the biggest shot of the game was when Jared Gladser hit a baseline jumper. The score was, was I think, that was in the first half. Yeah, first half it was fourteen six. Baker really didn't have anything going for yes. them. They went on a quick four zero run, but. Nothing really was developing after that. Yeah. Brant hit a three, and then Brant started to get in its groove. Baco had nothing going for them. Jared Glatcher steps yeah, into a baseline half, jumper, yes. hits it, and now it's 14-8, and Baco starts to put on their press now. Great press. I mean, Levstall up in front. Great, yeah. Levstall, the guard, so athletic. He was really key factor, kind of like a spark plug on the team, just with his shiftiness, his quickness. He was really huge. He was pushing the ball in transitional, and I thought he played great. I think that... He's a type of player that stats don't really show for him. Agreed. So he could get so many tip passes and so many deflections that won't lead to steals, but it would lead to Brent Lake have to, having to reset their offense or just pushing the ball, finding the lead guy, and making that extra pass. I mean, he also had a dagger three. He did. That in the was second probably. Half. So uh, you probably hear by tell by the enthusiasm I had on that call. I thought. And that was probably the biggest shot of the game, the lifestyle three. The glass one was big, too, because in the first half, Baker was really struggling. Yeah. But I thought in the second half, Levstall hit. Basically, Baker was up by, I want to say, 9 or 10. Brantley comes down. They hit that three in the corner. And all of a sudden, you know, Brantley, the Baker calls timeout. Brantley's getting hyped. And everyone's like, uh-oh. Like, Brantley, typical Brantley. Like, this here is they a classic Brantley. Classic Brantley. And that's, that's what every single person on the hill was saying. And then all of a sudden, it comes out of the timeout. Livestall steps in and just bangs a three foot behind the line. And it was like, you know, everyone was going bonkers. It was like enormous play in the game to be able to hit that shot under pressure when the team had really struggled to score. Because Baker, 
I mean, they were up, and Brand, they and Brant Lake were kind of trading baskets, but then at some point, I'd say in the mid-second half, Baker really struggled, was struggling for offense because yeah. the press the press started getting to I would totally to agree. Um, I feel like this year, Baker basketball is just different, and, like, last year, we were 16 champs, yeah. and I feel like that was the time where when there was a press, we're not, we're not stepping back. We're actually going into I agree. the press. I agree. I think that's a, something that we should definitely discuss as well, that... Just the mindset of Baker basketball as a whole, I think, has really changed. Because, like, in a game like this, we're the ones worried about, you know, holding the lead up. When I say left still hit that huge shot, well, that's the type of shot that is in clutch, the really clutch shot that you need to hit. But yeah. when you're up by 10, a lot of times in the past, like, Baker has been down by a lot. So for them to be up by a lot and holding that lead, that's definitely a new kind of skill that they have to have instead of trying to be, like, the feisty team fighting back, which Brant was in this game. Yeah, I would also, like, just mention... Brent Lake's big man actually fouled out yeah. midway through the second half. And I think that was huge for Baco because now Jordan Nadell is being guarded by a kid six inches, yeah, four Baco inches. Yeah, absolutely dominated on the offensive glass. And defensive game. glass. And because, yeah, because Noodle and Hudson Stanley's five minute, you know, these guys are 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and they're 12 years old. Like, that's really, to be that height at 12 years old is really crazy. So... They were able to just dominate it. Noodle, I think, did a good job for the most part boxing out his man and just making sure that just because they were the tallest, you know, doesn't mean the rebounds were given to them. And I think they yeah. did a great job. And the amount of chances Baco had is just so deflating for Brant Lake because you'd see, you know, Brant Lake was sitting back in their zone. They switched to man at some point. But basically, Brant Lake was getting the stop. They were forcing the missed shot. A lot of Baco missed a bunch of contested layups in this game as well, but they were getting their own misses. Guys like... Hudson Samuels would go into the lane, like, miss a shot, but then he'd get his own miss and kick it back out. And that's just deflating for... Like, I also think Lev Stahl is one of the most underrated, re- great rebounders great. on that he, team. He made a lot of hustle plays. He was diving, so on many the, hustle plays. diving on the floor. And just causing fouls. Great competitor. Which, yeah. I also think that just the way Baco moved the ball when they were playing on his... When they were, were getting zoned up by Brand or when they were... It was a man... Defense, I mean, Baco absolutely disarmed that I thought zone. the ball movement, you could tell the chemistry on this team was really great. Obviously, the Burke brothers, um, Jake and, and Tyler. The little high, the high post block action from Glatzer yeah. and Noodle was amazing. Glatzer and Noodle, both, both the bigs, did a great job in the post. I agree. I think, and I think the Burks definitely, you can see the chemistry that they play with, and oh, yeah. Leftall too, the three. Because they were really, for a lot of the game, those three were playing out on the perimeter offensively. Yeah. And they really just did a great job. I think, like, when you look at the ball movement, they were swinging the ball, getting open shots. And that's really what they were creating because when Brant was sitting back in that zone, what Baker was doing is they were just moving the ball around until they could find the open shot. And guys like Jake Burke, Lipstall, they stepped into those shots and just nailed them. And I think that also brings us, we have to talk about the Jake Burke um, ankle breaker, oh which God. was maybe one of the most... I think I've been to Baco for many years, as of you. Yeah. I can't remember a time when the people on the hill were going as crazy was, as they were for that shot. It was a huge roar. I it mean, was insanity. It was insanity. a huge roar. It was insanity. Basically, what happened, for those of you who obviously were not there, is Jake Burke was dribbling the ball. There was about only like 40, 40 seconds left in the half, I'd say. Baco was up by three, three or four points, and the momentum was kind of like even. Right at that point, Baker sort of came back at that point. 
and Brandt was sort of trying to mitigate that, and all of a sudden, Jake Burke is just coming down the lane. He does it, but uh, through the legs move, goes behind the back, and the kid on Brandt Lake just fell to the ground. He just, His ankles were broken, and then Jake Burke steps back and just nails the three, and the people were just going ballistic. It was a great moment. And I feel like running those 12-year-olds running back into bunk, 12, uh, bunk 13... Yeah. At half, we're just like we got this. Like I think, so yeah, I think that play was so key to the game because at that point it was kind of the first half, as I said before, it's kind of a back and forth affair, and then that kind of solidified it. Like, all right, this one's ours. Like it was such a hyped up moment, and I thought that was a really cool thing for the camp. You know, you see, they were all celebrating after that. The bench was going crazy. The people were going crazy. So it was really that was just a, such a cool moment, and not only was it just cool because it was a cool moment, but it was also really cool because it just really kick-started Baco's, you know, run, and they... I feel like there were a couple really important things that happened in this game. We talked about rebounding. Rebounding was huge. Both on the defensive and offensive glass. I mean, it wasn't just Jordan Adele, but it was the Burks, Levson, Yeah, I would Laxer, agree. That's a, I think that's Hudson a good Samuels, observation. And Grant Siegel, I mean... Yeah, and that's something you do well, too, when you're playing, is you have some good, like... Guards getting rebounds and fighting for stuff is really huge. And all these guards are really just getting physical inside. And I thought they really just out-hustled, to be honest, the Brant players who were the Brant players, number 11 in the purple shoes. Yeah. I would say he was Brant's best player, but he was really more of a player. He was really more focused on offense, I would say. I would totally agree. Um, he was trying to pull up from deep. He was trying to dribble a lot through the legs, has the ball in his hands. And on defense, he wasn't really fighting for it. And I think that that's something that obviously like, doesn't go noticed in the scoreboard, per se, on the box score. But that's something that was really key in this game yeah. because Baco just brutally out-rebounded Brad. I would also think that the shot selection that Baco had Much, was, That's a great observation. Was, I mean, great point. The difference from 14-year-olds and the 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, they had studs on the team. Eli Greenberger, yes. Jaden Fisher-Dane, and Miles Samuels. Yeah. But on the 12, 12s team, every shot was a good look. I There was very little. I think that's a good point, That the big contrast, I'd say, between the 14-year-olds and the 12-year-olds. And obviously, right, both teams won. Yeah. But I think the style between one was very different. For the 14-year-olds, guys like Greenberger and JFD were really just like looking for their own shot. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing because they're they got the job done. They're they really do talented players. And they're especially guy like Eli is such a dominant player, so physical. And that's really his style of play, which is fine. But I think the 12-year-olds, the ball movement on this team is really fun. It's a fun brand of basketball to watch. Yeah, it is. And they're moving the ball. And, right, they're getting a lot of open shots. Even, like, guys like Noodle, Hudson Samuel are getting open layups because the passing. Jake Burke had one terrific pass where he drove to the left key and he was driving inside, and then he kicked a bounce pass to Noodle. That was really a great play. And it's also, like, an, if an open three doesn't go down, like, you know that, like, you can get that shot. if great ball movement. Right, and I think, yeah, side. that's a key thing. And I think that if you look at the way the flow of the game went, I feel like I was confident for most of the game that Baker was going to win just by shot selection because... Brant Lake was taking a lot of contested floaters, a lot of contested mid-range shots, whereas Baker was getting wide-open layups, wide-open threes, and sometimes they were missing. But you know those are statistically better shots because Brant Lake was really settling a lot. Baker's defense, I thought, was much better. So if anything, Baker probably outplayed Brant more than the final score would indicate. Yeah. I would. I also think, like, uh, Jake Goldstein, the coach for 12s, and Wolfie, yeah. I think Two that coaches. going zone... Against Brent, 
I wasn't really, I was a little surprised because I know Coach Danny Silver rarely ever goes zone yes. against Grant. Like he always, because in a zone it feels like you're kind of like sloughing in and letting them attack you. But against man, you can attack them, you can be aggressive. Right. And in a zone it's very hard to be aggressive because you're working with right. two other I guys at the top and I'd three agree. guys down low. But I think Lev Stahl and I think it was Jake, Jake Burke were at the top. Up top yeah. I mean, they just worked like a string. They worked so well, yeah. They were really explosive. It was almost like a 1-1-3, almost. Because Lev Stahl was usually pressuring the ball, and Jake Burke would always go to whatever ball set. Yeah, they were doing a really really good job. It almost felt like they they had the advantage. They had the upper hand, which is what really played into Brant Lake doing the... So, doing... Settling for all those shots, because there was just nowhere for them to go on the perimeter. We've always said that Brant Lake can shoot the lights out of the ball. Yeah. Maybe a 2-3 zone isn't the right thing. Maybe manning up, maybe full-court pressure and allow and trying to slow right. their game down of just a run-and-gun offense. Right, but I think I agree in that. It's almost as though Baker was... Even though a 2-3 zone, usually you'd say that's susceptible to perimeter shots, but Brandt was really unable to get a lot of good looks from deep yeah, I mean, because just the terrific chemistry and, and Noodle just manning the middle on defense was huge. Yeah, that really allowed the guys on the outside... Yeah. To guard the corners, the corners were really shut down. Aside from that one corner three that the Brant kid hit, which was in the second after half. yeah, that was, and that was set up by a great pass by number, number 11, eleven on the cross court. All with the exception of that play, Brant really got nothing going in the corners. Um, it was just a great defensive effort for a lot of that game, and give some Brant some credit. They made some difficult floaters. They did. Um, they made some tough shots inside, but at the same time, I think Baco's defense, the defensive strategy as a whole, was really great. I also think. Brant Lake switching between a zone and man was a little bit confusing for Baker because you'd run down the court, you'd see last possession, no, they were in a man. So they were switching, yeah. Let's attack their man. But they're doing the dribble weave, which has been our offense for, I think, now two years. Yeah, a long time. And it's been working. We're doing the dribble weave, but we're not getting anywhere. We're just kind yeah. of running uh, east and west rather than north. Yes, they were. But, and I think... Grant, like, that was a great coaching move because 12-year-olds really don't, I, I don't think, they, like, know, they don't have a, an amazing IQ. But right. this Baco team, like, they knew, like, when they were in a zone, like, someone has to be high post, someone has to be running baseline, and it's quick little passes. It's not yeah. catch the ball, dribble it around right. the key. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I mean, Baco played an amazing game. Other than the first couple yeah, of Yeah, they definitely came out I mean, with the nerves. I think... And I think for 12-year-olds, it's definitely intimidating. It's nerve-wracking. I mean, it's definitely intimidating. I'm sure you can speak to it. Right. You're the, definitely, you know, it's so, it's got to be so nerve-wracking because you've never played in an atmosphere like this before. I mean, yeah. for 11s, you go to Echo Lake, you don't have a single person watching. And then 12s. The and then you come to 12s, and all of a sudden, your whole camp is not only watching, but jumping up and down and going yeah. crazy and chanting your name. And it's, like, intimidating, and I think it's even more intimidating probably for the Baco players at the beginning, the brand, and obviously, I think the home court advantage starts coming in later in the game once the kids kind of settle down. But it's definitely it can be tough at the beginning to, and I think that's probably part of what played into their slow start. Yeah, I think also like just the the amount of ball movement Baco had when it, they were getting a rebound, giving it to a guard, and then it, it's just one pass, and you're already like yeah, they did a great job. The three point yeah, line. I think Noodle. Jordan Nadell just played an amazing game. He played a great game. game. He played a great game. I mean, his rebounding ability, and he's so such an underrated passer. The passes he had when he was on the baseline to Glatzer, and then 
maybe Galactic dishes it out for a three from the Burks or Lev. It was like amazing his ability to do all three rebound passes. That's a great point. And shoot. And obviously they came yeah, out with the W. Came out with the win. Yeah, and one more thing I wanted to hit on was the late game shooting. I think I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the late game clutch shooting of Tyler Burke was enormous in this game. Jake Burke stole a lot of the show early in the game with that first half with the angle breaker, hit another huge three coming out of the half. But then, at the end of the game, Tyler Burke was the guy But Brant Lake was getting desperate, started to intentionally foul. And just in general, Tyler Burke had a fast break layup. He was enormous at the end of this game. I think... Uh... He was intentionally fouled twice, hit both of his free throws. He hit all four free throws. Yes, and I love it. It was Jake Burke was standing right behind him, and after he hit the first free throw, Jake Burke comes up from behind and rubs his head and just yeah. like brotherly love. It was amazing. Yeah, it was cool to see. So he hit his, he hit uh, all four free throws. Brandt Lake rushing down the court after he hit his last free throw, and Tyler Burke steals the ball fast and break. And goes right back up. Lab. That was awesome to see. The crowd was going crazy. Yeah, the crowd was going nuts. The team was going crazy. That was just awesome to see. And it was a total team effort. Noodle, I mean, his scoring ability was just ginormous after Brandt's center fouled out. I think he had 15 points. Tyler Burke had 10. I think both the Burks had 10. Lev Stoll, I think, had 10. It was an amazing show for everybody. And the guys on the bench, they played their role. I mean, the passing yeah. ability that these kids have. Oh, uh, yeah, the ball movement in this game And the just shots yeah. that these kids hit. It was like one after another, one three after another, they were hitting. Yeah, that was amazing. It was, was really cool to see. see. Great Baker basketball. Yeah, that was a great game, great and team effort. Brent, they played well. I think in the end, the te- teams were hitting their shots. I think it was just about the amount of effort. Kids were putting yeah, in on the defensive end. Yeah, definitely. Baker was scrappy. They were feisty. Guys like Levstall. The amount Burke, of lip. Noodle. They were getting all over the place on the ground. They were ripping the ball out from Brant Lake. They were just really... And the turnovers that Baker had were very few. Very they, few yeah, in, in, on their own end. I mean, in the, when they were on offense, they had a couple, but it was very few. And they were, were running back on defense. So it was basically like they just threw the ball out of bounds and they can get a free stop, yeah. free run back. But... Baker played an amazing game. Agreed. They really played great overall game. And one more thing that I think we should hit on before we go would be the overall just sense of Baker's basketball program right now. This is definitely the best it's been at. Like, just to be clear, for those of you who haven't been at camp in a long time, when I first got to camp, my first time was 2013, I think we did, we did not win one basketball tournament. Like, we did not win 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s. 16s. We didn't win any of them, and to now see us winning 12s, 14s, 16s, we lost. Going to Jacobs. Going to Jacobs Cup. We lost by four points in the 13th game. Like, it's really cool to see the evolution and really progression of Baker's basketball program just in the last few years. And I think it's not just this year, but last year. Agree. I, mean, I think last year was the turning point. We and. And the year before that, Jake Rubin. Yeah. That night game, the 16th night the 16th game. 16th night game in 2017. That was like a huge incredible. head of steam yeah. going into 2018. 2018, we won 16s. We won 13s. 13s. We haven't won that tournament. Right. Since, since the late 90s. Yeah, since the late 90s. 14s, we lost. Like, it's just a new Baco basketball. Era. Yeah, it's really great to see the. You know, just the, how Baco basketball is going right now. And as you said, it's a great team basketball. The program is looking just awesome right now. So that is all very cool. All right, Leo, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for coming on the Baco Sports Report. We'll definitely be having you back here again. Thank you, Maddie.
Alright, that'll do it for today's episode of the Bake Off Sports Report. Make sure to check out all our great episodes from the past. We will certainly be doing more in the coming days. We got a 16th night game against Brent Lake. That's the last game of their Bake careers. That'll be coming up on Wednesday, so we'll definitely be having play-by-play for that. We'll definitely be breaking that down. Also, there should be some senior leagues action. As we mentioned, there will be a senior football leagues, raw leagues, as we like to call it here. Podcast coming out soon. We'll be doing some interviews. So stay tuned for all that. Thank you guys as always for listening. I'm your host, Maddie Wasserman, saying so long, and we'll see you next time on the Baco Sports Report.